It's time to see who popped one into shallow left field to end the inning too many times in 2020 and what it means going forward in your dynasty leagues. It's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just J.D. Martinez that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs here, joined with Rob from the murder room this evening. Robbie, what's happening? We struggled mightily to get that intro this evening, Robbie. It was it was a real battle. And I may have been talking just when you first came on. So if it even sounds muffled, then I think it's only fitting that you keep the last one in. Because, yeah, I mean, but, I know you don't run out of tape these days, but we might run out of data. <laughs> yeah, but like your wife, our editing software is really good at cutting you out. Ooh. Ooh. But I, don't, I don't got one of those. But anyway, Robbie, what's happening tonight, buddy? Uh not much you know we've been we lost all the snow we got and now we're you know me and the boy are trying to find some good constructive activities to do in and around the household starting to see some rumors and things going on with mlb which is nice the uh winter hot stove is rolling so filling up dynasty leagues if anybody's interested in a highly competitive eight by eight categories dynasty league it's a hundred bucks both ty and i are in it um you can hit us up at Robbie baseball one for me at dingers pod for Ty or sorry for the podcast or at tourney boss for Ty. Um, we would be interested to know if you have any big league dynasty experience to get you into that one. Cause we've got, I think four left and that's always the fun of this time of the year. Ty is talking to 15 people and one of them pays. And then you do it all over again to get a second guy to pay and do it all over again to get a third guy, the commissioner side of fantasy baseball is absolutely the umpire side of no fun. Nobody likes you. And all you can do is screw up, but by God, you put in the work, you know, well, it's, it's, it's like the, you got to take a, a note from like the bars. You just line up a whole bunch of people up front, make it look like it's hopping and let people in quickly to make them feel like VIP. They get in, they get disappointed. They drink lots. And then all those people pile in behind them and then it gets wild in there. Right. So but then you end up with high league turnover <laughs> and that's, that's what true. I'm trying to avoid, which is part of the screening process that I'm doing this year. I, I always ask for people to let me know if they've got experience and they don't need to lie because I don't mind having people come into leagues that don't have the experience, but I certainly don't want someone to come into a league that's just going to get ripped to shreds. So if they say they started playing, you know, fantasy baseball last year, I'll say, okay, well maybe instead of that, let's, kind of direct you elsewhere and i'll definitely keep your name in line for next year and try to talk to them through social media or whatever but the big thing is that those are the people who take the results from a short season like 2020 and they bring them into account for dynasty and that ladies and gentlemen is what we're going to talk about tonight and that tie is how you transition to the topic which is terrible outfielders that we may or may not believe in and you're going to find out 
where we sit on all these guys heading into the 2021 season based off of what you think of them coming out of 2021. We've been working through the positions. We're on the outfielders and we're ready to get into some big board action uh, soon. But we got a couple more episodes ahead of that. And let's get moving here on our, our bad outfielders. So the first one on the board this evening um, is, is alcohol. So we're yeah. going to kick into the alcohol here and let's get going. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. That was silent. There was I'm sure zero, they heard it. There was zero sound from your, your pop. Oh, there's plenty of pop over here, and we got the sizzle. This is no big deal for me. This is the Aber 1857 close-style lagered beer. I've got, I think, five of them left. I, that means I can do two more Sunday night hockeys, or I can do, you know, whatever, one podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, you might have to mail one to, to, who was it on Twitter, Billy? Billy, yeah, Billy yeah. Billy had just heard about it. Well, you know what, Billy, if you're interested, I got 20 of, uh, I can't remember the other style that I'd bought, um, but they, I don't like it. It's too, it's not an IPA, but it's super hoppy, which is why I was a little ticked because um, I'm not a big IPA guy. I think, you know, hops go along with suspenders and bow ties and fedoras, and I'm not into any of that. So um, that's not my style. This cloche is, is, I love it. I've got Waterloo dark that I'll be switching to right after. Um, but you know, the, which I, maybe I should have done Waterloo dark. It would have made sense to have something dark when we're talking about poor results in a season and 2020, <laughs> the players we're going to talk about right now all had poor seasons or injury riddled seasons either way it appears as though they might be on the decline in fantasy value so we're going to talk about whether that's real or a mirage so um ty did you want to lead it off with the first Let's guy absolutely this is this is a great list actually i'm really excited about this list thank you there's a lot there's a <laughs> lot of uh volatility with these guys like there's some elite guys in this group and i and it's going to make for an interesting conversation tonight so first on the list jd martinez in boston uh, 213 this season, OPS uh, under 700, which is crazy. Um, 22 runs, 27 RBIs, seven home runs. So the counting stats, not awful. One stolen base, not really a surprise that that number's not up there. And the K to walk ratio is is 59 to 22. So, you know, these aren't awful numbers uh, overall, considering the season and considering how unmotivating it would have been to play in Boston this season. So, you know, I'm not overly surprised by these outcomes with JD Martinez. Uh, that said, where where are you sitting on this, Robbie? What's what's JD Martinez in your world moving into 2021? It's it to me, it's hard to justify holding because that means if you don't have them, you just don't worry about them. You don't try to acquire them. But he is a hold for me. And simply put, now's not the time to get him unless you want to take a real serious chance, which must mean you're in win now mode. And it's not the time to sell him unless you almost certainly want to guarantee a downgrade. Cause the value has never been lower on JD. Well, shouldn't say never has not been lower on JD Martinez in several years. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to go the other way with this one, Robbie. Like, I, I like the risk here with JD. This is going to be a scenario where I'm buying for the purposes of profiting. This is not a guy I'm investing in to make a significant championship run. But I, I, I think the majority of owners are going to miss the fact of what you just said, which is his value has never been lower um, and you shouldn't trade him, right? That was your kind of thoughts there. And the yeah. reality is... I think most people are going to be looking to move on from him. And I think it's a buy because I think you're going to get a bounce back. And even if he bounces back to mediocre, you probably bought for mediocre and you can probably sell for slightly above that in season if you wanted to. So um, this is a hitter. This guy's going to hit and he's a veteran that has always liked to go up. Oh, the guys that scare me are the guys that have been pull hitters and come off later in their career. The guys that can spray the ball a little bit better generally seemed less like look at Miguel Cabrera who would be a comparable um he's not hitting for the same amount of power but he's still driving runs in because he's hitting the ball to right field and JD's gonna have a similar path and he still has a lot more power than Miguel so as long as he's in Boston this is a a hard buy for me and okay I'm not saying hold him for the next five years but definitely if he's available and you can get your hands on him for a reasonable price I'm buying yeah, fair enough. I, one of my big concerns was the fact that he had 211 at bats this year and only seven dingers. Oh, sorry, However, I thought you were going to say 211 million left on his contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, but the concern for me was power. But I mean, we'll dive into you know hard hit rates and things like that when we're doing the outfield breakdown because that's the time for that. But for now, I, I like what you said there, Ty. Like it does make sense if, if there's an owner in a league who's not interested in him. Then if it's a salary league, for sure, we know we talk a lot about it because when you're in a contracts league, you can't shake that experience. It changes how you value players. Somebody who costs you the league minimum and is not as good a player or a stud who costs, you know, $40 million, or if you want to go by percentages, costs you 10% of your, your whole cap, that those players can end up having near the same value simply because of what each of them does for you. One one produces for you at this moment, whereas the other one is almost like they're free to be on your roster and they won't hurt you. So player evaluations become really tricky in those types of leagues. And to me, J.D. Martinez in any contract league is going to have way less value to the owner because they're on a big deal. And I've got another guy who's a little further down that we can talk about because something really interesting happened in a um, dynasty salary league that he's in. Well, but, and, and yeah. one last thing on JD that, you know, I talk about a lot and don't forget, like his lineup is going to be a combination of Verdugo, Bogarts himself, Devers, uh, potentially a bounce back from another Boston player that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But um, well, Bobby Dahlback should be in there. There should be talent. Like, absolutely. That's, that's well, absolutely there. It's absolutely and a there. couple left handed sticks that are probably going to be around him. Right. So mm-hmm. he's going to get some good matchups. Like, I think that's where they're going to focus the matchup power. I think you're going to see JD squeezed between Verdugo and Devers. Like, I really think that's the lineup because Bogarts is going to hit no matter where you put him. Um, and so I think the right-handed sandwich is going to be uh, JD in the middle, not Bogarts. So I, I, that's the way I would build that lineup. Who knows what Boston's actually going to do? But well, I was going to say, I, what did Cora do when he was there for pre-suspension? <laughs> well, I mean, JD mashed. Right. So, yeah. So you got to so think I, that's an uptick for him. Well, and they really don't have a right-handed power stick. Like Bogart's a good hitter, but he's in a power bat, right? So 
you're you're gonna focus it the lefty power to there. So anyway, before we spend all night on JD. Right. Yeah. He doesn't work. He doesn't deserve it. And he's a Red Sox. Um, on to Starley Marte, 32 year old Marlin on our dinger big board. He was ranked 15th last year, 181 at bats this year between Miami and Arizona, 287 average, 732 OPS, which I have to say, I know Ty, you've talked about it before when hitters are learning new pitchers, you know, they switch divisions, they switch leagues, especially you've talked about that. That can really cause issue. Um, Starling Marte was able to continue to produce when he became a Marlin. So 19 runs, 17 RBIs this year. Neither of those numbers are breaking the bank, but they're solid. Two dingers, one stolen base, stolen base being the issue here. K to walk ratio is three to one, but low on both ends, 21 K seven walks. Um, I'm super quick on Marte tie and I'll give you the floor. I'm holding. I wouldn't risk a trade with his current value uh, versus his upside for a season or two. So I believe he's a free agent after this year. If I'm wrong, I will almost say that's irrelevant. It's one season left. And I'm concerned a 34 year old headed into 2022. If it's now or never, you know, that's a different story, but how are you sitting on Marte? Well, this is a guy that was one of the early um, extension guys, right? Like the Pittsburgh was leading the, the charge in early extensions and Marte was one of those guys. So I think, I think and he's one of those guys that people still think is a lot younger than he is. Mm-hmm. And for that he still reason, spaces. yeah, <laughs> and, and exactly. Right. And I mean, for that reason, I, I think you got to move on from him because I think he's reaching that age. And I think this is the new era of five tool players. Like you're going to see guys like Marte start to deteriorate later because they're, they're not um, as well conditioned because they're just trying to hit home runs now. Right. So these right. guys that are the speed, like the borderline speed guys are going to start to break down. And then he tossed in the PED stuff, which is definitely, there's been a downturn in his career since that all happened. Right. So this is definitely a guy I'm out on. I'm selling for sure. Um, age is a factor. Lack of, of power is a factor. Uh, it's just for me, the downturn and, and I'm out. That's really interesting that you're out on somebody who's been suspended for PEDs. Um, on to the next. I'm usually in on the <laughs> oh, guys I was so young. close. Right, still right. Young. He's oh yeah. So he's old and and former uh, former PED guy. So uh, on to the next one. I love this one. I, I'm excited to talk about Austin Meadows, 25 uh, year old Ray. You know, injury riddled season. 106 cobbled together. I will say 132 at bats with a 205 average, 667 OPS. Yikes. However, the runs were there at 19, which matched Starling Marte. Or, excuse me, RBIs at 13. Four dingers, which beats Marte. Stolen bases, he had two, which crushes Marte, who had one. <laughs> um, but the, the K to walk, 50K, 17 walks, not ideal. Uh, he was ranked seventh, I think, on the dingers big board. So he got a huge bump up from us after 19. We were already in on him in eight, 18. Uh, I will definitely say I was, especially after that trade to T-Bay. I'm saying it's a good time to get a 25-year-old with top 10 outfield potential for less than his 2019 inflated value. So 2020 season helps to almost bring him down to a reasonable rate now. And I think that's why I'm buying. Obviously, I believe he can turn it around. He had 132 at-bats, not 210 with the stat line. And he's going to need to produce. Like the stolen bases were the reason that he was so great in 19, but he also missed time in 19. So where are you on him, Ty? I am holding, and I would probably actually be selling 
if it wasn't for the fact that he's 25. Uh, and I think that for me is worth just waiting one, at least one more season to see. I've talked about it a lot in the last couple of episodes about what I watched in the playoffs and yes, Meadows was coming off an injury and he definitely was not 100%. Um, but the thing that concerned me the most was just the lack of plan of attack that I saw from Meadows. And so I'm very concerned that he's not as good as his 19 season was because he's not having the uh, at bats, right? So if we go back just a couple of years, like Meadows was really a struggling prospect, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone knew the the power was there. Everybody <clears throat> knew the speed combo with it was there. Um, and, and he was just going to be 2030 type guy. Came out of uh, high think, school, had a lot of yeah. development to be done at the professional level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think for me, I'm just seeing things that are causing me a little bit of concern in the inability to hit anything but the fastball, which is what he's going to get from this point forward, right? He's going to get a better split uh, of at-bats. Like he saw some challenge at the end of um, 2019. And I, I'm just concerned that, you're going to see some disruption and you're talking about a guy that hit 221 in August last year. Um, and, and then had a little bit of a uh, tick back up in September in the division, but you got to remember that was against a really crappy Jays team and a really crappy Baltimore roster uh, or rotation. Right. So I'm not going to put a ton of stock in that September, um, but I am very concerned with the downward trend we saw last season um, towards the end. And then what we saw in 2020. So I'm not saying give up, like, I'm not saying his career is done. I'm saying be concerned and pay attention if you're a Meadows owner. And if you want to remove risk, get rid of him. For me, I I'm closer to getting rid of him than I am to buying because the, the floor is a lot lower than it is for some of the other guys on this list. All right. So a quick trigger in season, maybe dynasty mode for you. That's right. Um, but certainly not yet. Okay, so that'll bring us next. Oh, do you want to do this one, Ty? I know this is kind of kind of your guy. guy. This is my guy. Yeah, this is this is a guy I haven't talked about a lot because he's been kind of a flash in the pan a little. Yeah, he didn't right? give us anything to talk about this year. So this is Jordan Alvarez is a guy that I'd been on for a long time um, in a lot of formats, and he just exploded up the minors. And I had him buried on a lot of deeper rosters and super excited to have him pissed that I didn't get him in our home league um that was a super <clears throat> piss off that I was not happy about uh, I do have Joe Adele which is fine um who was holding the spot that Jordan could have had uh but I needed to get some trades done before I could go get Jordan and somebody beat me to him um well maybe you can get it done there's always time in that league right we only in that league just for reference 14 team keeper league you kept keep basically six all-stars or if you're me uh four prospects and two mlb borderline players and uh one prospect specifically designated prospect spot that you have to have and i might uh, have to give up some shortstop capital whew, interesting which is hard for me because i have to tease antsy here that that's going to hmm. be hard for me to dish either of those guys yeah so anywho let's let's stick on this guy so i i you know i'm a buy and mine's mine's straightforward he's a pure hitter uh you, you know some potential for lesser value right now but really he's not going to leave houston the lineup around him is still going to be strong you mentioned in one of the previous episodes ty about some of the power 
or I shouldn't say just power, but some of the impact players that Houston can be surrounding uh, Alvarez with, you know, as El Tuve's aging, I think that's when you talked about the fact that there is still, there is still pop in Houston's system that's coming up to help. So I like it. I'm a buy. I mean, you're a sell the farm to buy. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a huge bat, like huge. And my preference is, and always will be power profiles. Um, And this guy is everything that you could possibly want in a power profile. There, there's still lots of, of potential with that roster. Um, You know, you've got Corey Lee coming, you've got, uh, Barber and Brewer who are, are probably a little further away. Um, there's still Correa potentially sticking for the long haul. Bregman's there. there there's lots well, of Kyle like. Tucker. Like that's, that's the other guy, you know? Yeah. Kyle Tucker is a stud and we'll get to him as well. Is he on this list or the next one? I can't remember. No, he's not. He's he didn't the make list. the list. He's on the next list. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah. So the, the scenario for me is, is by, because he's going to be the centerpiece, right? Like he's going to bat three in that lineup and whether it's this season or next, it's probably going to end up with Tucker Alvarez back to back. And that combo is exciting for me because Tucker is going to be a doubles machine and Alvarez hits balls to Galveston. And you know that's, (laughs) that's pretty much how it plays out in, in, Houston. So I, I'm excited to see this. And, and for me, this is potentially the most generational power bat in major league baseball right now in, in the younger tiers. Like uh, there might not be another 50 home run bat in his age category. So like, that's, that's why I think this is a hard buy because I think he's that elite power wise. Jeez, I think he's, I'm trying to think of how old Judge is. Judge might have three years on him, but I would say that I'm not there on that. I, I certainly don't dislike him. We just haven't seen as much. And we saw some big entrances with Chapman and um, Hoskins that a few years on, those guys aren't lighting the world on fire. Another guy here, quickly well, one switching. One last thing, Robbie, Okay. Last thing, sorry. A little know, negative. But, but it's important, the... The thing is, too, like we're profiling him as an outfielder, which is what he's going to show up as in most formats. And we've talked about how weak first base is. This is a long-term first baseman, right? That is where he's going to find himself. He's going to carry outfield eligibility for this season. And then Yuli is gone. Yuli will be gone after next season. There's no chance that Houston keeps him around, right? Like he's on a one-year deal, I'm pretty sure. Um, Yeah. And so when that happens, you're now acquiring your first baseman of the future. And this is a generational first baseman. So that's why I'm pushing for it. I thought you were going to say that he had like, you know, popped the chains out of his shirt or, you know, that he had something going on for himself. I don't, I don't but... think he has that much swagger. Like when you hit it to the moon, there's like, that is the swagger. Oh, okay. The bat does the talking. That's right. Okay. So next guy, Tommy Pham uh, played briefly in San Diego this year. Now free agent, 32 year old. He was ranked 25th on the Dingers big board and 109 ABs this year, hit a measly 211, 624 OPS, efficient enough with 13 runs, 12 RBIs, three Dingers, six stolen bases. Wow, that, that was his saving grace for certain dynasty owners. 27 Ks, 15 walks this year. Um, <clears throat> you know, the dude got stabbed in October and he's going to be 33 to start next year. Uh, currently a free agent. Uh, no thanks in dynasty unless next year's my year and he's going to be cheap 
I, any, any league that he's available, I would, if you have a group chat, now's a good time to say, Hey, anybody know how Tommy Pham's recovery from being stabbed is going anything to taint the waters of his value is to your benefit. Um, there's some Randy airs arena talk going around right now with some uh, things going on in his personal life and being arrested. Uh, this is the kind of stuff you can do to get a little bit of an edge in your league. Tommy fam would come on my roster only if I thought this was my year. Um, you're a cell tie. What similar? Yeah. Uh, it's an age thing. Like, yeah, I think his best year was the year in Tampa. And I think that's why Tampa sold him. I think they knew that too, right? They turned a profit on, on him and they turned it into a middle infielder that they liked long-term. Right. So yeah. Cause they uh, ditched Renfro. Now he's out. Yeah. It was never about Renfro. It was always about Edwards. Right. I'm so, sure Renfro was money. That was how San Diego was able to, you know, yeah. 7 million to fam and whatever Renfro was making. Completely agree. And, and I think that's exactly what happened there. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, fam is definitely on the downside and in the, the personal injury off the field is, you know, really, twisting the knife for fam owners as his career oh! kind of heads downhill. But it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things that I I'm out just because of age more than anything else. I'm more out because of the staffing, but um, <laughs> it's definitely like the, the trajectory for Tommy fam. I'm, I'm a Tommy fam fan. Like I really am real life. I'm not as much fantasy wise and I'm less so now at this point. Hey, it's fair. Like, it's not like the guy doesn't have some some warts on him now, and he's definitely scarred moving forward. But I'm done. Man, I need a soundboard. <laughs> Next up, uh, Shogi Akiyama did not change the face of baseball this year. The 32-year-old came over from Korea, I believe. 155 at-bats this year in that ridiculously crowded Cincinnati outfit outfield. He hit 245 with a 654 OPS. The OPS was never going to be his strength uh 16 runs nine rbis which was low but that's what happens when you don't hit home runs and he had zero seven stolen bases uh 34 k's 25 walks in a bigger league that's nice that that helps out a lot in 135 at bats to have walked 25 of those uh i'm holding him not worth what you paid a year ago stolen bases were good walks are good May as well roll the dice on next year. Hopefully he actually has a starting role, but I feel like he's going to be one of those 400 at bats is his season while he's with Cincinnati, which I believe he's got two years left. So were you selling him, Ty? Where are you on that? Yeah, I'm selling. I mean, this is a platoon guy, right? Like, I mean, yeah, that's really what he is. And platoon late game guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you need stolen bases, like if you're buying him for the purpose of stolen bases in whatever format you're in, I can be okay with that. That's the only reason I see anybody owning Akiyama, right? That's, that's the way I look at it. You're, you're going to get sporadic at bats. You're probably only going to see him versus righties, uh, which is still predominant, but at the same time, it, it really puts him into a corner and there's enough depth in that reds outfield that if he gets ice cold, he's going to ride that pine. So if somebody sees an upside to him with the seven stolen bases, get him out of there. That's my thoughts. I think that's fair. So here's one that I'm looking forward to discussing right now. Everybody settle in. Andrew Benintendi, the Red Sox 26-year-old, ranked 22nd on our big board last year. Only 39 at-bats this year. The stat line in those 39 at-bats, horrific. Not even worthy of discussion tonight. 
I am saying buy. I don't think he'll ever be cheaper after what's happened the last year, year and a half. And at 27, like age 27 for the 2021 season in a Red Sox lineup that will be good, whether they, you know, have to win games 9-8 or not is yet to be determined. But I'm willing to take a shot on Benintendi. The only time I won't is if he's got a ridiculous salary because I don't want to be stuck because if he does not perform and I've got that salary, I'm not going to be able to move him. But if it's not a salary league, I would definitely be interested in having him as a second to third outfielder for me. So that would put him somewhere in the 31st through 59th ranking on the dynasty big board for me. Ty, what say you? I I have him listed as as a sell. I don't think I can actually sell him though. Right. I, I I think you got to hold them regardless if you have them. Um, I, I don't know that you should be out buying him. Like I'm not as optimistic on a buy model as you are, Robbie. Okay. Like, I, I, I don't, I think I'm off of the sell. I think I'm on a firm hold, but I, but I think I'm staying away from buying. So mainly because the, the hit tool, which was supposed to be his strength yep. has disappeared. Absolutely. Right? And it has become, don't swing, don't swing, don't swing. Okay, walk, right? And that, for me, like, he, he, it's like Austin Powers, the second one or whatever. He needs to find his mojo again, right? And and that's that's what it's like for me. With, he must have with, an ugly girlfriend. <laughs> Guy's yeah. got no confidence. A girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, it's it's absolutely um, an Austin Powers reference. Um, and, and I think it's one of those ones where if he can just really get back on – on course like he's gonna have a full off season here to figure out how to hit again so that's why i think i'm gonna hold and i'd love to see him bulk up like he had some time here and what what did he have again a hernia yeah i i honestly i don't remember at this moment what he had but it was enough that the red Sox were not willing to try to kind of get another 20 30 at bats at the end of the season they just wanted him to start a rehab program to properly heal through the off season. Yeah. So I think he does. I, I agree. I think he needs a bit of a body transformation, whether that's just more physical fitness. Like I know they talked about Donaldson needing to be less thighs and calves, more stretching and whatever. But like, if that's where you generate your power, you're not going to want to erode that part of your body, but Ben intending needs something. Maybe he needs a nutritionist. Maybe there's something going on where he's got brittle bones. I don't know he needs to be a bit more of a complete player next year too. I'd, I'd really like Boston to trade him. And, and it's an interesting take because I just think he's a terrible fit for Fenway. I, I really think his power alley stroke to right center in Boston hurts him. And, you know, if you were to put him somewhere with a reasonable right field, right? Like he's not a dead pole hitter. He's not trade he's him to the cubbies. Be, yeah. For, like for some, Bryant. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think Bryant's the right fit, but like, no, a, a but just move, to yeah, move Benny, that would exactly. be the, yeah, yeah like not that's for Boston. A great spot, but like, you know, I, Cincinnati needs more outfielders, so send them over there, right? But, you know, at the you end of the day, you only like, have four or five right now. It's he, still November. He would, he would be a really good candidate to move and, and maybe find that power stroke. So instead of being worrying about his mojo, he can be a little bit more. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were looking for something. I, 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 I saw the Randy Macho Man Savage shades go down. 
And I'm like, he's looking for one. He's looking for one. So, all right. So moving on to to a cubby, Kyle Schwalba, 27 year old, was ranked 45th on the Dingers big board, big board, 191 at bats this year. Oh my God, it's brutal. So I'll say the OPS. The OPS was 701. That's okay. It's not good, but it's okay. But the batting average, 188, 30 runs, 24 RBIs, 11 dingers, a stolen base, uh, just just north of a two to one strikeout to walk ratio. I'm buying. I, I'm. It's weird. It's like I've talked myself into players who I normally don't like. Um, again, he's cheap, and really, it was the average that took the dive. So, if for some reason you're in an OBP league. You gotta, you gotta go do it because people are going to be down on them. People are down on the Cubs right now. They think the Cubs are going to blow it all up. It's hard to blow it all up, right? Look at what Baltimore is going through right now. They didn't blow it up, but look at what Baltimore is going through right now. When they had a core that basically aged out of, of being competitive, you know, they traded Machado who, who was like the final guy, Chris Davis, you couldn't do anything with, couldn't move him. Um, Who's the other, who's the knuckle that came over, uh, thank you. Mark Trumbo who just disappeared, you know, like they Baltimore had everything terrible happen to them. I can't imagine the Cubs are going to find themselves in the same situation, but I also don't see them clearing house when guys are in their, you know, mid to late twenties. So yeah. for me, Schwaba, I'll take him. It's always hard though. Cause a lot of Cub fans play dynasty because they always grew up with the Cubbies losing. So their only hope of ever winning was to play fantasy baseball. <laughs> and even though that was now four years ago that the Cubbies won, those guys are still playing fantasy baseball. So look out for the Cubbies fans to try to pick up Schwarber. But if not them, make it you, friends. Make it you. Absolutely. Well, I think you just found your Ben Attendee trade candidate. One for one, that'd be a phenomenal trade for both players. Like Kyle Schwarber would be a folk hero in Boston. And there's He's not got the many- build. There, there might not be a more perfect player to play left field in Boston than Kyle Schorber. Like, he looks like you. Mike Napoli also, which, you know, Napoli is a hero in Boston. <laughs> yeah. The body. Uh, like, I don't know he, what their faces look like, but you compare them. But I always thought Joe Blanton. <clears throat> Joe Blanton Bland was always the guy that I compared to Kyle Schorber. Schorber? Yeah. Okay. But I feel anyway. like I'm thinking of Schorber with a fat goatee, but which, whatever. Anyway, I <laughs> think that's way. an interesting idea, Benintendi for Schwarber. I, well, I, I can't imagine that trade. would work, but yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't it work? Yeah, another Just because it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it would be an interesting <laughs> trade. Um, it would make sense for the Cubbies if they can pull it off, and the production bump for Boston would be intriguing, right? You might see them pair like a Bobby Dalbeck and go get Hendricks as well. Right. Like that would be uh, an interesting play for the Red Sox. Like that could be, that could be a really good, good trade, to be honest. Like that's, that's a baseball trade right there. Yeah. That would, that would be interesting. Okay. Okay. So we can do all that fun stuff on a future episode. So let's move on here to another really intriguing guy, Uh, Victor Robles, Washington National World Series champion 2019. 23 year old was ranked 14th on the big board. A lot of hype for the young guy. Hit 220 this year and 168 at bats with an OPS just over 600. Yiper diapers, 20 runs, 15 RBIs, three dingers, four stolen bases, and a horribly disappointing 53 Ks to nine walks. Um, Ty, you're buying. So tell me why you're buying. Because he's 23 and he runs and he hits and he plays baseball. I don't give two shits that he strikes out more than he walks. Um, Not even for a second do I care about that. So, um, it, I, I'm liking him. I think this this Washington team is a forgotten 
like field of all-stars, right? Like you've got Soto, uh, you've got Robles, you've got Garcia, who we talked about being a potential breakout guy, but we're not sure. Turner is still there. Um, who, who did we talk about playing for space for them? Who'd, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Oh, geez. I think we were, well, we were joking about uh, Zimmerman still kicking around. Yeah, and but we had a replacement for him. Howie was. Kendricks was a possibility. Either way, uh, point is, pitching's still yeah. good. The hitting's good. Um, you know, if, if Kaboom ever figured it out, uh, we had Ozuna was a guy that we thought could maybe go there uh, and fill the middle of that order. And, and I, I still think this team's a lot better than people realize. And I would love them to take that step and go get one more guy to solidify it. But at the end of the day, like Robles is going to be a part of that roster. There's a strong opportunity. He hits leadoff this season because they don't really have an, um, an option. That's not Trey Turner, because I would like to see Trey Turner hit two um, in my world. And, and it's mainly just because of the contact. I'd like to see him um, in the two hole and I'd like to see a little more power out of Soto. So the, this is against traditional saber metrics where they would definitely want Turner Soto. Um, this is just a gut feel that you're going to give Robles better at bats in front of Turner to lead off the game. You're going to get a little more swagger from him. And I think you're going to kickstart his career. If you do that, they're not going to do it. I'd like to see it. It's not going to happen. Let me just say that, but. I like the idea though, Ty, because if you have, if you have Turner one and you have a pitcher at nine, or if it's a crummy DH, who's, you know, hitting or not, sorry, not DH. If it's a crummy uh, fill in position, whose OBP is under two fifty or something ridiculous under two seventy, even Turner's already got at least one out before he's coming up on that second time or whatever it be. So he's going to be able to potentially have more run production, if he's hitting two as well. So that's, that's interesting. Now I am selling on him and here's my explanation. Why not? He's 24 to start next season, but the K rate is ridiculous. And the poor OPS are potential signs of selling out for power and not getting the power. Doesn't mean it's not going to click, but it just means it's a concern. And he's still going to give you a good return. Now, if Victor Robles is your best outfielder, do not make that trade. Do not find yourself going out there and trying to level the field by getting some ho-hum dudes uh, or a Charlie Blackman right now. That's not the right dynasty play. You know, you want to find people. I, I, there was an article recently. I didn't get to it about Nick Castellanos. I think it was two articles. Justin Choi was one of them. And I cannot remember the other spot. I had seen it where they talked about Castellanos actually having issues moving forward, not just the blip from 2020. Um, we avoided him for that reason because there's already information out there on it. But Robles would be an interesting guy to do the deep dive on when we get into our outfield rankings for that reason. So, well, the big thing for me, Robbie, is like the big drop for Robles this year was against the fastball. And that's just not something I expect to, to be consistent, right? He actually hit significantly better against off speed, just like small gap in the breaking pitches. So for me, like I, I'm, I'm liking the potential to, for a bounce back here and in a really a buy low on a guy that shouldn't be available at a buy low rate as a 23 year old. So that's really fair Ty, because you know, who was really good on off speed in 2019 and struggled with the fastball, but corrected the air in 2020. There, I mean, Austin and- Nola, baby, Austin <laughs> Nola. 
<laughs> I found a way in I the need, outfield I need a episode. That's just like a every time you bring up Aaron Nola. So anyway, that that was it for him. So on to the next gun. Uh, Brian Reynolds, outfielder with Pittsburgh, twenty-five. Uh, where was he on the dinger big board? Da, 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 17th. So he got a generous ranking from us in 185 at bats this year, 189 average, 632 OPS, but good runs and RBIs, 24 and 19, seven dingers, one stolen base, 57 strikeouts to 21 walks. So, you know, two and a half to one. Um, we're both buying. Mine's real easy. I just think that was a slump. That was just an off year for him. I don't think that's who Brian Reynolds is long term. What about you? Yeah, I mean, the hit tool's there, and and this is a guy, like, you're not buying him to be an all-star, right? You're buying him to be upside, outfield two, right? Like, he's on a he's crappy your... team. That's right. And, right, and they can't be worse. I mean, Pittsburgh can't get worse. They're they're already crappy. They are trying. Uh, yeah. I, you know what, though? They made some, they're going to make some moves here. Like, Ben, ben Sherrington knows what he's doing. We got and, a guy to talk about it. We have one more Pittsburgh outfielder to talk about on this episode, Ty. Absolutely. I'm excited about that one, actually. So yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I do think there's enough here. I think Reynolds is, is a guy that I, I'd like to see them use him as an unconventional leadoff hitter though, because I'd like him to stay to the doubles alley. And I think this is a guy that has been told to hit home runs and he's just not that guy. I and agree. So I would love to see him slide up into that one hole. And I think you unlock him a little bit. And really, they got nothing to lose, so why not put them up there? And they don't really have a good speed guy to hit leadoff anyway, so why not? Well, you've got – I agree, and here's why. You've, you've got potentially – Reynolds can be a leadoff or two, whatever. Let's just a top-of-the-lineup type guy. You've got Key Brian Hayes who can come in behind. You've got Bell who should be locked into 4-5. or five. That should just be it, which means you're looking to fill – your two, three, or your one, three, however you want to sort that out. And another power guy. Well, you've got Key Brian Hayes. You've also got O'Neill Cruz, who should be coming up at some point shortly. Didn't O'Neill Cruz have an off season thing though? I don't think we'll see O'Neill Cruz. I forget what it was. I'll look it up. Uh, okay. Okay. So, so potential for an issue there, but you've got the ability to fill a lineup with guys that are going to provide Reynolds the opportunity to not just drive them in. Like you had said about being a doubles versus a dingers hitter, but also to cut down on, on the K's and he, you know, he had 21 walks and 185 at bats. That's not horrible. He didn't have 15. Uh, he didn't have 10, you know, he's, he's seeing enough of the ball. So I feel like as he ages, there could be some other things. And there's another guy that we're going to talk about shortly who could drastically alter Pittsburgh's outfield plans. And if he's able to hit, that would be huge. So um, I'll go to, the next guy on the list, time if you find out what's up with Cruz, if it, there was, it was a, it was an accident. He killed three people on a motorcycle. So, I, if <sighs> I recall the original story, the the motorcycle was traveling without its lights on, and okay, I, I, I do recall this. There was some rumors of alcohol in, involved or something. Nothing confirmed at this point, right? There haven't yeah. been any charges. Yeah, exactly. It, it okay. does say that they expect, like Charrington said, they thought they'll be he'll be available for spring training. So. I would say okay. move forward under that. So that there's the potential in Pittsburgh to have four decent hitters plus, right? There's always more. Like you're not going to count on Jacob Stallings as your catcher to come through and like be amazing for you. But you've got guys. Um, I, I'm just saying that I think Pittsburgh might be able to produce or Reynolds might be able to produce in Pittsburgh to a decent level. Next guy, Ramon Laureano, Oakland athletic 26 year old. Everybody, Ty and I've talked about it before, the annoyance of the MLB 
uh, package highlight reel with Loriano making a couple of ridiculous throws and some way, somehow guys got out. So we've seen those hundreds of times, but in 183 at bats this year, 213 average, 704 OPS, 27 runs, 25 RBIs, which are great. Um, but six dingers, two stolen bases, and just two and a half to one strikeout to walk ratio. I'm I'm selling him, Ty. I sold him after 18. Not a fan of the hype from a year ago. And people think he's a powerhouse bat, but I'd prefer him in points formats only. I don't want anything to do with him in categories leagues. Where are you on Loriano? Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan in general. Um, you saw uptick in in whiff rates uh, yeah. on the off speed and the breaking pitches this year, um, and and I think I think they just figured him out. Like 2019 was really his breakout year. Uh, he had some success against the fastball briefly in a cup of coffee uh, in 18. I just don't think he's as good as people think, and. The upside is that he's probably going to play and, and be given a long leash because of his defensive ability. I don't think that's going to change. Um, so if you're looking for a warm body to fill center field, he's not going to kill you. Uh, but if you have another option, I'm selling Loriano hard. And I just don't think he's a long-term athlete. He's he's a warm body if you're in a in a position league where you got to put him in center field. Yeah, I would say if you have left left right center then his value goes up yeah but it also is tentative because you can think of a guy like kevin pilar who has stretches in every season where he is more valuable than uh ramon loriano is it's just the downtimes and is loriano's uptime is his peak season going to start to decrease in time and is his bottom going to fall even further that's the concern there nothing wrong with taking a chance if you own him so go for it hold them let us know at the all-star break are we right or wrong uh you know a couple months into it so here's here's the interesting one for me on this list here time we got three to go uh anthony alford pittsburgh pirate 26 year old here's his career stat line at the mlb level 83 at bats a 169 average of 529 ops 11 runs nine rbis three dingers and six stolen bases in that time a ridiculous uh, nine to one K to walk ratio. <laughs> uh, we're both positive on them, which I, I think that's nice. You're a buy. I'm a buy if free. And it's as simple for me as if you, if you want an out of nowhere possible guy, here he is absolute team post hype. I like that. I'm trying to create a team post hype, but that's your thing, but I'm in on it. <laughs> yeah, definitely a member of Team Post Hype here. Uh, the the thing for me that I'm with you, 100% worth the upside. The speed's there for whatever reason. Yeah. He's looked he looked really bad defensively last year in the brief games that he got to play. Thought that was really an interesting thing for a guy that's been known for his defense. Um, I think that was just a blip on the radar. Maybe never um, having that pressure on top of him. Just see Derek Fisher um as well the the reality here for me is ben sherrington was a part of the the jays brass that oversaw him and he's now in pittsburgh who acquired him so for me he sees something and he knows something's there or he wouldn't have acquired him he didn't just bring him in because he's a nice guy right that's you don't do that in major league baseball so i i think for me that's that's the thing that is a is a light bulb and 
the reality is, as we've talked about, like there's some room to play in Pittsburgh. He's probably in all likelihood has a really good shot of winning that center field job out of camp. Right. Like they're, they, they, I don't think they have anyone else really to, to challenge that. I'm going to uh, check right now, Ty, keep going. And, and so for me, like the power could potentially be there. Uh, the speed is a hundred percent there. And, and I really think he could surprise some people because it's, it's not a, a lack of physical ability. Like that is a hundred percent there in, in absolute spades. So I'm going to buy them in formats that I don't already own them. Cause I do own them in some, um, but I'm buying just because I think there's enough there. Um, and, and the, the faith has been hammered. There's nothing that we're going off of past success. It's absolutely not there to get super excited about. Uh, but, but he's listed number one in the center field depth chart. So uh, I'm, I'm liking him as a guy to bet on. Fangraphs has him on their depth chart as a bench bat, but that's kind of here or there. Like that we've looked at it before. It used to be roster resource, right? We used to talk about all the time how roster resource is a great spot to go to look at a bunch of player names. But if you want to try to get the order of things right, that's not the ultimate reference point because they have Colin Morin, who's a third baseman as their left fielder because he gets pushed off of third base for Key Brian Hayes. And they've got Gregor Polanco as the right fielder. Gregor Polanco has been horrible. Yeah, absolute disaster in the outfield. And if Pittsburgh and Charrington are at the point where they're willing to take away at bats from guys who are not proving it, but are supposed to, that's where Alfred steps in and Brian Reynolds moves over to either left or right field. And then you get Anthony Alford and you've got Philip Evans as well. Um, who was an infielder that kind of came out of nowhere last year, played briefly and then got hurt. Evans is another guy who could just fill in elsewhere and allow Alfred to be a starter in the outfield. And then if there's struggles, he can come out. But I would say that if you want a guy who everybody has heard of, but now does not care about a throw in, in any of your trades, Anthony Alfred, I think could easily be that guy. Oh, you want Alfred? Yeah, go for it. You just need to be able to roster him. Yeah. If you're looking for like a way to make the most profit as humanly possible, Anthony Alfred might be that guy. So, and not be butthurt if it doesn't go your way. Right. right. So, okay. Here's a butthurt guy. I don't know if the, I don't know if this is your type of guy or not. He absolutely was my guy in like 16, 17 into 18 David Dahl of Colorado. I uh, didn't even write down how old he is. Cause I was so angry at him. 99 at bats this year, 183, or sorry, 183 average of 470 OPS. These numbers don't matter. David Dahl was hurt this year. He tried to play hurt nine runs, nine RBIs, no home runs, a stolen base, uh, eight to one strikeout to walk ratio. That is not David Dahl. All right. That's not David Dahl. David Dahl is more of a 280 average, 800 OPS guy. And with good health, I'm not saying great, Good health, easily 70 RBI, 70 run guy, 15 plus dingers. You could push him up towards 10 stolen bases. I'm buying because I think now is the time. I know for a fact that there are people who do not want anything to do with David Dahl because in a few mock drafts, he's been going in and around 300. And I'm sure last year he was a top 130 type guy. That's redraft. That's money league redraft stuff right there. David Dahl in Dynasty, his value is super low. Um, who do you think, Ty, top, top of your head, Benintendi or Dahl? Who's fallen more in fantasy value? 
Um, whew, that's a tough one. They're both uh, heavy fallers, right? Yeah, I think it's got to be Ben Attendee because I think people are scared the of the lack of power. Yeah, I, I think I think that's what we talked about earlier. Ben Attendee's got to get that power to support the bad stretches. Dahl still has it. I mean, listen, Dahl, Dahl is an all-star if he's healthy. He's just yet to be healthy, right? So it's not as if you're buying a lack of potential. Like, I think he has one of the higher ceilings of outfielders in Major League Baseball. Uh, just because he's going to deliver a little bit of speed, a little bit of power, a little bit of average. Like he's just, he's Starling Marte kind of, right? Like maybe a little less stolen base, but you know, similar distribution, right? So um, I, I like him as, as a value buy for sure. I like him as a regular buy for sure. So it's just a matter of when he can put it all together long enough on the field without being hurt. And it has to happen eventually. Like he's not made of glass. He's just been unlucky and people like to write these sort of guys off and that's when we all like to swoop in so go get them yeah 27 years old for this season on the dinger big board last year he was ranked 24th and the numbers support it a full season supports it a healthy like we don't even mean 600 at bats healthy we mean a healthy david doll season is not what we had in his brief 99 at bats this year um but okay so final guy here Derek Fisher, Toronto Blue Jay, 27-year-old. He did play for the Jays this year. I was not willing to write down his numbers. Um, what I wrote down was the numbers do not matter. Do not acquire Fisher. Uh, sell him. Drop him. It's over. And I knew you'd do this, Ty. You got to buy. Go ahead. Sell him. Sell the listeners. <laughs> I'm not going to sell him. I'm just still in because I've been in. And I just got to ride this one out. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> this is hundred percent. Very fair. Yeah. I can't, I can't be unwrong. Right. Like I can't. <laughs> so, so I might as well try to be right. Like I just, I'm going all in on this one, knowing that I'm probably going down in flames. So um, I, I will say this. I, I think there was an unnecessary amount of pressure put on him in Toronto being the only left-handed bat in that outfield. And I think, he felt it. I do think he can't see. I, I really believe that. Uh, he's been hit in the face multiple times by fly balls. And <laughs> like, I really believe there's a vision issue here that needs to be corrected. He needs like and, the Danny Jansen glasses, yeah, laser eye surgery thing. Like he needs like the Eric Sogard late career goggles, <laughs> goggles. Outfit, right like, like where's horace grant when we need him like, <laughs> let's, let's get those going um and, and at the end of the day like the power is very very real like it is absolutely a massive power bat and it's very underappreciated for what that value could be yeah, like but, I think but, his OPS, sorry, Ty, I think his OPS was still north of 800 this year. Like it's not right. that he's terrible. It's just that the collective and the presentation we saw was just bad for fantasy this year. Yeah, and, and I think you'll see a bounce back, and, and I think there's a good chance it won't be in Toronto. Uh, but I think it'd be the bounce gonna... back of the ball hitting him in the face and bouncing back into play. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch. But at the same time, like this is a guy that still very much uh, has upside, and he's a strong non-tender candidate for the Blue Jays because oh yeah, they've, yeah, they've got some outfield stacked depth, and assuming they bring in a middle infielder or or make room for a middle infielder, then BGO's to the outfield, and there's your left-handed bat. So I, I really think he's a trade chip for Toronto. 
before he's a non-tender, but I think he's he, there's a very strong chance that he is not a Blue Jay um, next season. So I I still like him. I'm I'm going to be watching him. I'm I'm still hoping he can bounce back. I, I don't know what he's going to do about his very very terrible outfield defense. So well, it was either I think it was two years ago now when everybody was getting ready for the rule five draft and 40 man rosters were being somewhat solidified prior to the rule five draft and the Jays protected or not. I shouldn't say protected. The Jays still had Tulowitzki and they still had Martin on their rosters. And it was within 10 days of the rule five draft that the Jays cut Tulo. And I remember being really ticked off as a fantasy owner thinking I would never do this. I would never give somebody up after I could have acquired someone else, right? Like, why would you wait until the day after your trade deadline to cut somebody that you could have had the roster space for the day before? Why didn't they cut them before the rule five to do that? And I feel like that's exactly what could happen with Fisher where they don't have to make the decision. So they just don't, you know what I mean? Like they, they should know right now if there is Derek Fisher coming to spring training or is Derek Fisher not, just like Anthony Alford, they didn't have to make the decision this year until game one. And because of COVID and everything in the double camps, they had all this extra time and they were like, oh, we've got the extra roster space. Sure. Let's just keep, you know, Alford around. And then eventually when like, you know, they wanted to tighten up the roster, boom, he's out of there. And that is, I think what's happening with Fisher. So it's unfortunate because somebody had said this before in like a, a fantasy baseball group chat, like, like this, sorry, before being like today, talking about uh, Brian O'Grady, who we had somewhere, I think in like the fifties or sixties, or I had personally on my outfield big board, because I love the power O'Grady had. And he went from Cincinnati, I think to Tampa or something like that. But anyway, he's been released from Tampa Bay. Now he's going to the KBO. It's a guy who's not getting the opportunity and Derek Fisher will fall right into that category. If he ends up in, let's say Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati won't give him full-time at bats. We'll never get to see what Derek Fisher actually could be, but Toronto sort of did the same thing this year. Now, part of that was the fact that he made some bad plays. We saw it as fans watching the games, but sometimes you just have to let the guys play. Um, who was the, the pitcher that we, Oh, it was uh, uh, Corbin Burns. Mm-hmm. You just got to let the guy pitch, right? You just have right. to let players do their thing because the talent is there. And I, I, I feel like Derek Fisher has it, but I'm, I'm not sure we're going to get to see it. And that kind yeah. of frustrates me. I, I think if, if for whatever reason, and I don't want to see this happen, but if for whatever reason the Blue Jays traded for Arenado, I think you are going to see Derek Fisher go back in that trade. Left-handed stick in Colorado has huge potential to be in that whirlwind of second base, first base, right field, uh, carousel that Colorado likes to screw everybody up in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and Sam Hillard owners are freaking out already because they just assume his career's over. Um, and, and well, Derek in our home league, guy, or sorry, not our home league, our uh, the the listener league, the roto league. I have Hilliard. He's I believe he's now lost rookie eligibility. So in our league, we made it extra difficult to hold on to guys once they've lost rookie eligibility. The idea was to make our fab, our waiver wire, really, really intense. So you can only have four dudes on your bench. There's no way Sam Hilliard as a Colorado outfielder is going to be a bench bat for me. I, yeah. if he's, if he's not a rookie and I can't put him in my minors, he's toast. 
Yeah, and I that's agree. what Colorado does. Yep, I agree. And, and that's exactly And I, I just think Derek Fisher would be a good anchor there. I think he would get the chance to figure his stuff out. Um, that big outfield's defense, like, there, there's, it's going to be harder for him to drop fly balls because he's not going to be able to get to all of them. Um, there's a lot to like, right? So, <laughs> so it won't be as obvious because he's still running towards the ball. <laughs> so there's lots to like about that fit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, the power's there for me and it's enough to at least still pay attention. And like I said, I'll die on this hill if I have to. Hey, I'm there with you. So future episodes we've got coming up. So this was the end of the guys who were bad. Do we care? Next, we've got the guys who are good. What does this do for their value uh, for the outfielders? And then we are going to hit up the catchers because we're contractually obligated to do that as part of our partnership with fantasy baseball fans. And we are also going to do a rule five draft prep episode. This is for MLB's Rule 5 Draft. Last year, we did two, I feel, pretty good episodes covering what we thought were going to be the guys that teams should have targeted and then who they actually took. So we've got a catcher episode that's going to combine with the Rule 5 Draft prep. And then after that, oh, we're going to do the results of the Rule 5. And then, Ty, the fun begins, my friend. We start hitting up the new ranks, the dynasty ranks for... MLB the next five seasons 2021 to 2026 I, I just can't, can't wait. wait to trigger people with our hot takes like I just love do you, it I do love you want to take a guess Ty how many catchers do you think we are doing in our ranks we're not going to talk about all of them but how many do you think are written down don't look just guess last year we did north of 50 and it was our shortest outfield or sorry shortest episode because we cared so little about it. But how many catchers do you think we have on this year's episode? Uh, 47. <laughs> well, relevancy-wise, you could slice that in half and it would work out. Uh, we're, we're tapping on 80 catchers. Oh, So, yeah. Do you know why That's it's so big? Because we love you, listeners. Thank you. We want to make sure you are in the best position to win. If you, for some reason think having multiple catchers in your organization is important. Hey, we're here for you. If NFBC does dynasty where you need two catchers at all times, we're here for you too. So that's what we're going to do. And December, we are going to clear the board. All of the dynasty ranks will be out before the new year. It's going to be awesome, but we still have two positions left, which is the, the bad part of the outfield and the catcher position to do gross it's just gross but anyways uh, we'll wrap it up there and we'll see you in the next episode uh where we're going to cover the great seasons we saw from the outfield this this year but until then it's been robin tyler on dingers this is dingers way more than fantasy baseball we keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park <laughs> let's see the stats what's the average draft position what kind of plays you making check the wins above replacement check the lineups and the points this i gotta see what's your path to victory are they aiming for a dynasty get points going head to head please don't do me no favors we're always watching waivers ain't no minor league this is major yeah dingers let's go